It's Joe Esposito talking college basketball on Cofield and Company. Hello, Warren Broadcast Center. On a Wednesday, uh, Coach Joe will be up in just a couple minutes. We'll get into college hoops. Uh, some headlines at three. Let's fire it. It's time for the three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. 15 minutes of fame. Pimento cheese. Mm. Go. What is it? You know, I really don't know. I've never looked it up, and I've never had it. Okay, that's my question. I was um, hoping you would know. No, nah, it's a legendary cheapy sandwich. The one thing about the Masters is that well, I was going to say the one thing that's cool. Uh, one of the things that's cool about the Masters is uh, they decided, I guess, a long time ago with their concession stand, they're never going to raise the prices or you know minimally raise the prices. Is the pimento sandwich still dollar fifty? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe inflation, maybe up to two bucks or something like that. Do you want to but... pick up pick up some on the way over to the studio? I know you're doing Visa next, and I'll pick up a little pimento cheese on the way home, and we can call each other at like eleven tonight. You know, we could pop on the uh, the pod the uh, the late night podcast. You come on, you, you give me your rating of a pimento cheese on the sandwich. I'm okay. I'm okay. Like it doesn't. It doesn't look. Not that I would want to spend my time with you, but it's just. It just doesn't. It doesn't look very appetizing. And I don't know what pimento is. Like that for the longest time, I thought pimento was like the little red thing in the middle of the green olive, but I don't think that's the case. So I just want. I really want to know what it is because a lot of people are, are making a very big deal about this. But I would say they're freaking out more about the price, as we always know, right. as opposed to the quality of the sandwich. Because remember. There's also $1.50 egg salad sandwiches over there, which is where I would rather be, personally. I have never had pimento cheese, but I would go with a pimento cheese over egg salad. I'm not an egg salad guy. There's something with the texture. What? Yep. You like hard-boiled eggs? Not really. Scrambled eggs? I like scrambled eggs. It's like the same thing. Eh, it's too mushy. Isn't it mayonnaise-based, too? You can if you want. You can do it. What else can you mix it with now? I mean, mustard. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Mustard, salt, pepper. All right, let's reset my request. Uh, now we can't do a podcast together and rate the food. Now I'm going to have to meet up with you somewhere yeah. and try your egg salad. I mean, it, to give you a glimpse into my um, – that's what I'm looking for – my privilege and my affluence when we would – Von Tobel Tools. You have to eat a lot right. of egg salad in your life. When I would uh, – my stepdad used to own like a, like a relatively small boat that we would take out to Lake Mead every once in a while. Small, huh? Uh, and uh, so it's only like two stories. Like I just, I, I don't know. People kept complaining yeah. about it, like blocking Come three on, houses. A fifty footer. It's not. It's not really a big boat. Um, but when we would go every morning, my mom would make not every morning, but the mornings we would go for some reason, my mom always made hard like or egg salad sandwiches when we would go to the lake. I don't know why if those two things correlate, but now every time I smell egg salad, I think of Lake Mead. Isn't that weird? That's my story. That was a good story, <laughs> but it was it was abrupt. And to the point. Sometimes right. stories go way too long. I'm like, okay. It gives you a, a definitive memory. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, other headlines right now. Deshaun Watson. A lot of his deals are being halted. So Nike is out for now. A uh, local grocery store is out for now. So we'll see where this goes. Yes, but let's be very clear. Because I saw a lot of this already. He has not been canceled. It has been deals that have been suspended. Right? Now that there is a criminal complaint involved. And if he is found innocent of everything, sure, he's going to get all of that stuff back. But the ra- the, the rush, all of a sudden, again, the social media commentary of, canceled, not even guilty. And it's like, he's not canceled. If you're paying somebody money to represent you, and right, I think you're going to be like, Let's hold off a little bit until the, is it 21 potential civil suits 
involving sexual assault are cleared up a little bit. Let's get that down to like four. It makes sense. Right. To push away for a little bit. It was sarcasm for those out there, by the way. It should be zero. What, what should be zero? Oh, I made the sarcastic joke. Like, let's wait till there's like only four pending cases against you. No, it should be zero. You're right. Yeah. And who knows where this is going? I hate talking about it. This is one of the weirdest cases we've ever had to cover in sports radio. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, too, because that's a lot of the pushback. You're barely getting covered. You, what do you, you can't say anything. You don't know anything. Right. We finally get the criminal complaints just last week. You know, it was Friday while you weren't here that those finally popped up over in Houston. Like, we have no, no idea what's happening with this case. Let's get back to happier topics. I'm in that kind of mood today. Joe Esposito's with us. We can talk national championship. Pimento? A couple minutes. Yeah, well, I actually wanted to ask Joe. Joe's a very well-rounded guy. I don't mean his shape, but, uh, you know, he's lived a life. Joe, uh, you ever go to the Masters? You, you know anything about this pimento cheese sandwich? You know, I've heard about it, believe it or not. But I think pimento cheese is stinky. I'm not a big fan. Okay, so, I've never had it. I'd rather never- get... Describe it. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a strong cheese. I'm not a strong cheese guy, man. I'm just an American cheese guy. Nothing like a good grilled cheese sandwich with a little bacon and a little tomato, and and I can call it there. But all this other cheese, I'll pass. So what do you do with pasta? You don't go with a little pecorino romano. I mean, that that really stinks. Yeah, I throw a little bit on top, but I'm I'm not a big cheese guy. You know, I got a soft palate. You know, soft guy, soft palate. You know, so hey, what about but a nice? You know, I can go soft guy. Uh, JVT through uh, Monterey Jack, and we're just going to do 20 minutes on Joe's cheese desires. Well, I tell you one thing: I don't like blue cheese. I can tell you that those blue cheese chunks make me want a chunk. So I'm not a big fan of blue cheese. But uh, I'm just an American cheese guy. You know, I like to go there and get it sliced thin. Sliced thin's the key right there. But I will tell you this: I like me some mozzarella. Who doesn't? Right? Who doesn't? I, I like provolone. I'm not a big smoked provolone guy. The smoked provolone is a little too much for me, you know? You're very hardcore in your cheese, John. I had no idea. Very hardcore. Chef. Yeah, you go. Got another flavor profile. Can you give us some time uh, with Joe and I to talk about the Arizona basketball situation since that's kind of a big story? You got, are you done with your cheese <laughs> combo? <laughs> are you good with it? No. All right, Joe. Uh, I, I think surprise would be kind of a ridiculous word because we, you know, we knew this was a real crazy situation at Arizona. But the timing's kind of interesting. What do you think happened here with Sean Miller in Arizona down the stretch to uh, let go of him today? Well, you know, I think that a lot of it has to do with the whole situation of his buyouts and his contracts, and you know, those investigations have been going on for three years now. And when you talk about all the multiple level level one violations that have occurred, obviously it's no surprise. But it's just weird how it took so long. And I know there's, you know, when you're dealing with contracts and litigation and you got to prove stuff and you know, there's so many things in these contracts, these, these head coaching contracts are, are just thick contracts with so much in them. And I've been, you know, fortunate to see a lot of them and see how they work. And and uh, I'll tell you, that's probably what it came down to. Um, and now they're in a you know, situation where they're seeing a lot of guys get swooped up and they're probably thinking about who we're going to get after. So they've got a good family of guys there, but... Uh, I'm sure the timing now is probably the right time for them to make a move. I felt like Arizona fans really rallied around him for the last year and a half or so and kind of pulled that whole whataboutism thing where they're like, hey, you know, everyone's doing this, and what did you really do? There's no proof. What do you think the reaction is going to be the next couple of days from Arizona fans? Are they going to continue to fight on behalf of Miller and say, hey, you know, he's a victim here, or do they kind of wipe their hands clean and go, you know, we needed to move on. I'm kind of glad we did this. Yeah, I think they're going to. I think they're going to go ahead and, and wipe their hands and, and move on. I think that's it's time to. I mean, I think their program has been in limbo. You know, this year they decided not to play in the NCAA tournament, 
and I'm sure the Arizona fans weren't too happy about that to begin with. But you know, when you talk about the things that happen, you got the you know the, the stuff on the phone, the wiretaps, and there's just so many things out there. And you know, nowadays, yeah, everyone is being accused of different things, but some people are starting to get caught. There's some allegations out there. You know, you're hearing more and more about it. But the NCAA and college basketball has got to do something to clean the game up. And I think that they starting to. And, and, and it's going to take time, but it, sometimes you always say, well, the big boys never get smacked on the hand at all. They just move on. But I think finally now you're seeing some of these bigger programs see some uh, ramifications from these violations. Joe, what are the chances that Arizona gets, you know, more penalties from here, even with a new coach, like, you know, another year out of the NCAA tournament? Or is this kind of the beginning of the healing process? I think they're definitely going to get more violations. You know, it's hard for a coach to take a program, and then all of a sudden you get there and they're on probation, and you've got to fight through that with recruiting. You know, those are, those are the contracts that I always say, if you're on probation and you're going to give the guy a five-year deal and you have two years of probation, well, you should just give him a seven-year deal. Because those, those years don't really count. It's just too hard. It's too hard to recruit guys with violations. It's too hard to recruit guys if you can't go to the NCAA tournament. You know, COVID or no COVID, the NCAA tournament this year was awesome. There was so much excitement about it. People were fired up. You know, you're still getting that good feel and that good excitement about the tournament, whether or not there was a lot of people there or not. You know, every, everybody seemed to really enjoy the NCAA tournament. So that's what kids want to play for, especially these great players that want to move on to the uh, NBA. And I think it'll, it'll put them back for sure. But the new coach coming in is going to have to deal with that, and sometimes that really is tough. So it goes without saying, the Arizona roster might be raided here with the transfer portal. That, uh, you know, most players are not going to be patient enough to stick around to uh, throw a two- and three-year rebuild. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen for sure. I think you're going to see guys leave. I think some guys will stick around and see who the next coach is. But uh, depending on how long it takes for to make those violations, you know, Arizona's put their foot forward and said, we're going to sit out this year. And, and teams that do that for the NCAA, they just try to get that out there so maybe it'll lessen their penalty. But in this case, I don't really don't think it's going to lessen the penalty too much. I think they're going to get some kind of sanction, and you know they'll probably lose a bunch of guys. But uh, that's been common now with this portal. You can lose anybody at any time. Joe, how prevalent do you think uh, what you know, Miller is alleged to have done, and you know he's caught on the phone having the conversation, how prevalent do you think it is you know, amongst the top 15 or 20 programs in the country? Well, I, I think that there is a lot going on. I think that there's been a lot going on. And, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, it hasn't been something that has been out there as much as it's been now. You know, this scandal stuff has been going on for years. Um, you know, some of them obviously you know about the, the big stories back in the day. But, um, you know, the game's got to be cleaned up. There's too many people out there with their hands out. There's too much of people trying to get stuff for their players, and I just wish that we can you know, eliminate that. And I think if you are severe with your sanctions, I think it'll start slowing some people down, and uh, hopefully that'll be the case. There's so much pressure on coaches to win. There's so much pressure on coaches. There's so much money involved, and I think sometimes you know some guys just going to do whatever they got to do to try to pre- preserve their job, and, and sometimes they go the wrong direction. But uh, there's no excuse. You can win without cheating. And uh, let's make our basketball, you know, our game of basketball, the best game possible and do it the right way. Joe Esposito's with us, a college basketball insider, was here at UNLV, Minnesota, Texas Tech, a bunch of other programs around the country, Memphis. 
So what do you do if you're Arizona? Do you 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 stay within the family? Do you hire someone who's a college coach right now? Do you go you know a Damon Stoudemire route? You've got a bunch of guys who've got NBA experience, like Miles Simon. You've got Luke Walton. Do you go away from the Arizona thing and get a whole you know fresh look? Uh, you know the assistant at Gonzaga. His name is up there as as well. So what do you do to clean things up and get it going in the right direction? Well, you know, Thomas Lloyd's a guy from the Gonzaga that they're talking about who, you know, obviously had that great run at Gonzaga, part of that staff, part of that program, knows the winning culture, obviously knows West Coast recruiting. I mean, you're seeing a lot of schools, though, go with alum, you know, trying to keep it in the family. You know, you're going to see North Carolina keep it in the family. You know, Texas hired Beard, who was an alum. Texas Tech just hired Mark Adams, who was an alum. You're starting to see a lot of alum. I mean, the three names that come to me, Stottlemyre comes to me, my, you know, obviously his name comes to you. I mean, he's done pretty well where he's at. Miles Simon, that comes out there as well. But, you know, the guy that I think would be perfect for the job is Josh Pastner. I mean, Josh Pastner just won the ACC at Georgia Tech. He was coach of the year in the ACC his very first year. He's been through a whole lot. He knows about rebuilding programs. You know, he took over Memphis when Cal Perry left. You know, then he went to Georgia Tech and took over there when they were going through a bunch of things, too, as well. And he's an alum there. He's real close to Lute Olsen. You know, I was one of his guys for, for many, many years. And and I, I think you stay within the family. I, I think you get a guy that loves Arizona. Um, and I, I just think that that's the way you probably will go in this route, too. I, I don't think there was no way North Carolina wasn't going to hire a North Carolina guy. I mean, I, I just think that was never going to happen. And I and I think in Arizona, you may see that happen as well. But there are different situations. Uh, North Carolina wasn't cleaning things up. North Carolina is a, you know, a few players away and some maturity away from being an elite program again. You think it would be wrong of North Carolina actually to do a real search and go, you know what, uh, we're going to make offers to Scott Drew, we're going to make a run at Mark Few, and we're going to make a run at Jay Wright. What is it, what's the harm in doing that instead of hiring Hubert Davis right out? They got that family there. You know, it's just a family. It's one of those things that you just don't mess with the family. I mean, it's like the little uh, Goombas. I mean, you know, the family, you know, the Italians. Uh, you know, you just want to keep them all together. I mean, you see that in a lot of programs. You can't tell me that when Coach K retires that they're not going to hire a Duke guy. Right, I mean, but that, that's going to happen. Isn't, isn't that the point? Like, who's the Duke guy? If there's not a Duke guy that you feel good about, then you got to go and get the best coach, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, that's true. I mean, that there's no doubt. If there's nobody, but there's plenty. And it's just like Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis was sitting there. Hubert Davis has got experience, played in the NBA, played North Carolina. And I think when you're an alum from a school, I mean, you're going you're gonna to ground and you're going to stay there and you're going to do the best that you can. You don't see too many alum leaving their school and after they build something special and just pulling away. I mean, I think they're gonna, he'll be a guy that would stay there until he retires or, or gets fired, whatever the case may be. As you know, the saying in college basketball is you're hired to get fired. But the bottom line is when you get an alum, Kevin Kruger, another alum, you know, think about all the guys that have been hired that are, have been alum. You want to see those alum do well. They have a different pride, you know, a different pride for their school. Want to see their school do well. And, you know, I think they're going to dig deep in here in this Arizona search. Maybe they can get some of these big-name guys. But I just feel like they're going to go with somebody within and try to keep it in-house. I like this topic. Uh, let me read you the Coach K tree, and you give me the guy where you're like, slam dunk, that guy's going to do a great job. You ready? ready. Steve Wojciechowski, right? uh, Bobby Hurley, Johnny Dawkins, Tommy Amaker, Chris Collins, Jeff Capel, Mike Bray, and Quinn Snyder. The last name? 
I like Quinn Snyder. The rest of the list, I'm like, I, I, I think they're all good coaches, but a lot of them have kind of petered out or, you know, hit a level where, I mean, it's a good list. It's a good list. I, I don't hear a guaranteed guy there, though. Do you? No, you know, I don't know about a guaranteed guy, but all those guys have had success where they've been pretty much. Now, Wojo may have not had the great success at Marquette, and I get it. Chris Collins, he did a great job at Northwestern, and he had a tough situation, but he was able to get them turned around and get them to be relevant again. I mean, Johnny Dawkins is at UCF. That's a tough job. It's a yeah. tough job when you get to go against people like Memphis and go against people like Houston. But he's another guy that I, I like. Bobby Hurley had a bad year this year, but he was doing well there. Hopefully he'll turn it around. He's, they're going to keep him around here in Arizona. Um, but I do like Quinn Snyder. I do like Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder is a guy that, name that you might hear. Um, so I just think that Coach K is going to put a guy there that he feels comfortable with. You know, he just placed Nate James at uh, Austin P, which was kind of a surprise. He's going to put somebody there, or he's going to be have, have a strong input on who they hire. And um, I think one of those guys in the list is somebody that they will go for. I, I just do. I just think they will. It's Joe, you brought up the best point. Uh, Roy Williams and, and Coach K don't walk uh, without having their fingerprints all over the next coach. So that's the bottom line. Like, I would love to see them make a run at Scott Drew or Mark Few, but without the approval of the guy who was just there, and especially in the case of Coach K, uh, that ain't going to happen. So you're, you're a big Scott Drew guy. You're a big Baylor guy. And I'll give you credit. Uh, you know, most people in the country, around the country, thought that Baylor was really good and in that top two group with Gonzaga. But from the get-go, you were thumping your chest saying, don't worry about Gonzaga. Baylor is the team. Baylor is the best. No question. And I said that last year, too. I think this year they would repeat as national championships. Uh, I think they would have had two in a row. I, I firmly believe that. I was a big fan for them from the get-go. But let's just rewind something. You mark, you're mentioning Scott Drew's name for the Arizona job or the Duke job, and you're mentioning Fuse's name. Why in the world would they leave where they're at? I mean, they're making plenty of money. Enough money is enough money. They're happy. They're in situations they love. Coach Fuse has been there since 1999. Why in the world would he leave there and go – Hunt something else down. Why would Scott? What's wrong with somebody staying somewhere? You don't see that that much anymore because the people have crazy expectations. But if Scott Drew, why would he leave Baylor? He he is Baylor. He built that program. They should put his name on that court. It should be the Scott Drew court before he leaves there. From what he did, from where that program is to where they are now, it's an amazing feat. And I give the school credit for hanging on to him, just like the stories about Coach K. They were ready to fire Coach K. And look what that happened. You gotta give these coaches a chance. And you gotta know what's right and what's wrong. And I just I just don't think you should bring their names up. You know, they're thinking that they're gonna leave where they're at. They're great places. Those two guys just played a national championship game. They're two of the best programs in the country. But let's rewind and talk about Baylor. Baylor had great guards. They play as hard as can be. Jonathan, our little boy from UNLV boy, is a tough as nails guy. And he just brings just so much energy to a locker room. He brings so much energy on the floor. And they always say guards are going to win it for you. And I think that was the case with Baylor. Loved seeing them play. They had a great culture. And that was exciting because we have been talking about Baylor for two years now. A bunch of people are saying, hey, Mark Few, what's the deal here? Come on, dude. Win a national championship. Get the job done in one of these games. And I pushed back all day yesterday. And I was like, okay, these are really hard to win. And if you look at some of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, They've won a championship. They maybe have won two. There's guys who have gone to you know seven and eight finals, and they you know they didn't pile up five titles. Mark Few is going to be fine. The talent's going to keep coming, and they are going to win a championship someday. 
no question. I think they will win a championship someday, and they've got the name, and they got the recognition, and the guys that are recruiting against them are going to tell the kids, you know, you're in a WCC. That's what they're going to talk about all the time. You know, you're in a conference that's easy. You're not going to play, you know, the Big Ten competition every night. You're not going to play them. But you know what? When you, you look at it and what they can do on a national level, they did only lose one game, and it happened to be the last game of the year. They're a tough program. They've got the positioning now where a kid hears Gonzaga. They're going to think about going there, and they're in good shape. And it was just a tough game. You know, Baylor jumped on them so quick. It was, 20, it was 29 to 10. I was going to get some nachos. By the time I turned around, it was 29 to 10. And, I mean, the game goes so fast. And then, you know, Baylor really beat them on the glass, which was, you know, 38 to 22, which was big, 16 offensive rebounds. Gonzaga just didn't have the punch for that enthusiasm and that fight that Baylor had. And uh, I do think they'll be back. I think they'll be there. I don't know about next year. Um, you know, I, I don't know about next year for Baylor either. There's some teams that I think are going to be pretty good. But I do think that they're going to have a chance to win now championship before Fuse's done. Yeah, I assume if uh, Gonzaga gets Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the country, the number six player is going there if he sticks to it. They can keep Strother and the other kid they got who were top 75 recruits. Timmy returns. Uh, the 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 dogs will be fine. The Bulldogs will be fine. Gonzaga has a good chance to win this year. And, in fact, Joe, at the books, right now Gonzaga is the betting favorite going into next season. Yeah, I, I saw that, and that was kind of a surprise to me because if Timmy's about 50-50 chance and, and you know, Nebin, I mean, those guys, and they do have some good players coming in. I don't know if they're going to get the big kid from Minnesota or not. You know, with a new staff in Minnesota, he may stay home. His dad played at Minnesota. You know, Chet's a really good player. I, I actually coached against him. Um, so we'll see what happens in that regard, but uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Joe, real quick on uh, UNLV and how they're trying to build here. Uh, what do you think? I mean, they're, they're taking a mix of, uh, you know, really quick help in the transfer from Texas and then guys who have two and three years left of eligibility from other Power 5 schools. Do you see something coming together in terms of, can you figure out the philosophy of Kevin Kruger and company? It looks like stability. I mean, those guys haven't really knocked it out of the park. You know, Roy Sam no. was a big-time recruit out of high school, and he averaged under two points a game this year and two rebounds. Um, you know, only playing eight minutes a game, so he really didn't have a big role with Texas. And if you look at his stats through his four years, I mean, he didn't actually produce what you thought he would be. Uh, the big kid, Victor, I know him because he's a Marvin Menzies guy. He's from Nigeria. Marvin brought him over here. Three points a game, 2.6 rebounds, 10 points a game this year. He's got three years left. He's a big, strong body. I think he's somebody kind of reminds me a little bit of Mbake. And then uh, Jordan McCabe, he's a guy in West Virginia that didn't shoot the ball very well. He's about 20% from three. And... Uh, you know, his first year of playing was his best year. The last two years, he hasn't been so good, two points a game. I don't think those guys are difference makers. They're going to have to go out and get some difference makers that can score, especially if you're losing, you know, the two guards. So it's going to be interesting. But I think they're putting some pieces together. I think they're trying to get some chemistry together. But they're going to need some guys that can go make plays. And I don't think any of those three guys are the guys that are going to be the answer to their program. Joe, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you, okay? We will talk to you soon. And my number one, I'm going to tell you my number one, number two. Ohio yeah. State's my number one, and number two is UCLA. We'll talk about it next week. Really? Wow. Okay, that was a bombshell at the end. Nice job, Joe. We'll talk to you. See ya. There he All is. Right. Uh, Joe Esposito, former coach at UNLV in Memphis and Texas Tech and Angelo State and was at Minnesota as well. Justin Watson uh, Watkins is going to come along as we're here at the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. We'll get into the latest with Deshaun Watson, uh, more canceling. Plenty of good stuff to get into. And uh, the issue that could arise here 
involving the Golden Knights and the Raiders paying a little more in taxes. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law only on Cofield and Company. So we are set up at the uh, Battle Warren Broadcast Center. John, I'm going to loop you in on some new rules is what I hear. Okay. From the bosses here, Justin is here. That uh, two weeks from now, you will need a vaccine passport to get in the building and in the studio. Hmm. Those are going to be the rules. I'm going for number two soon. So, okay, right. okay. As long as you're not anti-vax passport, because that that's going to be a big thing. We we talked about this like four months ago about what's coming, and then people fighting and complaining about it, and it's already hitting the state government level. So, tell me what you think of uh, Ron DeSantis coming out, uh, Riverboat Ron, roll the dice, right? COVID. Um, he and Greg Abbott from Texas are like, no, 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 we're not letting people with, you know, let explain it to me. Actually, are they telling businesses you can't require some sort of passport? Are they telling counties? Are they telling cities like what's going to happen in those states with this idea of a vax passport? And so just to clear up, I, I, I am not requiring no, any not, sort of not, vaccination records. But to come you could. Into our office. But you could. I could. Yes, I could. I'm not. I, I don't even I'm not even requiring my employees to get it. It's their choice. Um, from my perspective, it, here's here's what Florida executive order says. The Florida executive order says that no public entity, no government entity can require any health records that prove that you got the vaccination or that you couldn't get it because of some medical condition or that you had already had it and have now immunity from recovering from it. You can't ask any you can't ask for any medical records pertaining to that. And businesses can't do it either. And under the emergency declaration and he says he's working with the legislature to make sure that that's permanent, meaning that the businesses can never ask even when they're not under a state of emergency. This one is a little tricky for me. Number one, I, I think the executive order was really poorly crafted. It, it looked like it looked like whoever put that together did not take seriously the legal ramifications for what could possibly come down. They didn't provide the basis for it other than one single uh, citation to the Constitution talking about the emergency rights. Uh, I, I, I think if challenged, I think it has some serious holes in it. Um, mandating that private business can't protect. I mean, let, let, let's take it. Let's take an extreme example. I run a nursing home, and you want to come in, and I say no. I can only allow in family members who are vaccinated. And you say no. You, you have to let them in now. So now, what? What's the consequence? As a result, as that business owner, I have to say then nobody gets in. So these elderly people who have now been vaccinated. Their families who have now been vaccinated still can't see each other because somebody doesn't want to get the vaccination and is going to ruin it for everybody. So I think that there is some real access to health issues, access to justice issues in play here that this executive order never addressed. Now, from my own perspective, what do I think is good policy on that? Here's the thing. I think the the legitimate worry is that doing vaccine passports at this point in time is not fair because everybody hasn't had access to get it. And I get that. And I'll get that for about another 30 days. And then I'm not, I'm not with that anymore because 
everybody 16 and older can go get a go get a vaccine right now. There are appointments available sure, right now. Are you sure that's every state though? We've no, no, I'm saying stories. I'm saying specifically our okay, state. Just Nevada. Yeah, just okay. Nevada. Right. right? It's available right now. You can go get it right now. There is no excuse not to get it. Now, from my perspective, why am I not going to force my employees to get it? Because it's their risk, right? They're the ones who are going to get sick if they if they catch it. Not me. I'm vaccinated. Not the other employees who are vaccinated. It's only going to be the people who chose not to get the vaccine that are going to be in danger. And you, from my perspective, it's their choice to do that. As long as everybody's had the opportunity to get it. So I'm just curious, and I will go to the thing that everybody's been going to this past year. But like, what about a flu shot, for example? Like, where does it end in terms of like passports like this? Could you just then start if you're a business saying, you know what, I want to know if you've been vaccinated for the flu every single year as well? Like, you could do that now. Yeah. There's nothing in any law in any state that's going to prevent you from doing that. We have to provide our vaccination records to go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if your son's old enough yet to go to. But I have his vax records. Yeah, right. Sure. And everybody's got their vaccination records. If you want to put your kid in daycare, got to have the vaccination records. Hell, if you want to put your dog into doggy daycare, oh, you pain. got you got to have like a whole booklet of vaccines and, you know, spay, neuter and all that. I mean, not that dogs medical information is protected the same way. Uh, people poop, but but my but my point is is that people have to keep track of medical records associated with them, their children, and I think what government can do is a little bit more restrictive. But let's let's go let's go way back in time. The Supreme Court has already weighed in on this issue. The Supreme Court of the United States in 1905 said the government can require vaccinations for services. They said it. Public schools could do it. You're we we are allowed to do it in the in every war that we've ever had all the people men and women who have served on behalf of our country have all been vaccinated for all kinds of stuff that none of us have been vaccinated for and they didn't have a choice in the matter and so there is a long standing precedence to say that vaccines are important they're valued you don't have a you have a right to reject them but then you don't have the right to force those services to be granted to you so it's an interesting challenge. It'll, it's an interesting challenge to see where it goes. But I do think we're in a weird 30-day window here where I can agree with that argument for a period of time just because everybody hasn't had the same access. So what's going to be like running a business you know, in the service industry? We'll talk bars and restaurants in Florida, Georgia, Texas, places that may push back on a vaccine passport. Are, are those states kind of leaving those business owners, you know, hanging them out to dry? I don't know about if we're, if we're talking about bars and restaurants, I just don't see that that industry as having a a strong recommendation for vaccine passports because they're in the same boat I am, which is, hey, my employees have had the opportunity to be vaccinated. They're protected. Anybody who comes to this restaurant who's not vaccinated, they're the ones at risk and they took that risk themselves. So they, I don't think that they have a really good basis to, to require it. The ones that really concern me are like healthcare industry, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, nursing homes. I mean, we have people in nursing homes. This, this is, this is a really uh, important point. I think we have people in nursing homes who are often forgotten and mistreated and their, their strongest advocates are family members. The way they get the best care, the way they ensure that they get the proper medications, the way they ensure they get the the doctor's attention and get to ask proper questions and fulfill the the family history because they don't remember it all is through their family. 
and through the advocacy of their their loved ones they haven't been able to see their their families for better or part of a year now and 40 percent of the deaths that we've experienced in this country from COVID, of the over 500,000 deaths that we've had over 200,000 of those deaths occurred in nursing homes so i i think in in those situations it's incredibly irresponsible to not allow them to create a scenario in which visitors can come in with vaccine proof. What about a Vax passport for concerts, sporting events? I mean, I can see a basis for doing, again, we're in a narrow window of 30 days. After 30 days, I say you could do it, like do it for sure. In let, Let's talk about a, a, a Band-Aid for 30 days. I think you can have potentially a vaccinated section and a non-vaccinated section where the really? vaccinated section is not socially distanced and the vaccinated non-vaccinated section is spaced out. That'll okay. go well. It'd be crazy, <laughs> right? Like I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking outside the box. I don't think anything's going to change until like May 1st. And that's been my prediction from day one. And I think we're going to be Texas. open. Texas Rangers don't want to do it. Mavericks want to do it. Who, who like, Mark Cuban can do whatever he wants. The Rangers owner can do whatever they want. Does the governor step in? Is it local officials? Like who who rules in this case? Yeah, I mean, if if Abbott signs an executive order like DeSantis did, and it's worded the same, and I haven't seen anything specific wording of what he says he's going to do that, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, but if he does that executive order, what's going to happen? Well, if basketball tries to do the vaccine passport, they're going to shut him down. He's going to have to sue. Uh, Cuban will have to sue, get an injunction to allow him to continue to play games in the way he wants to do it until they can rule on the issue. It'll be really messy, and I, I think it's unlikely they would he would take up that fight. It's not worth it. So from what I'm understanding, right, like when it comes to having a vaccine pass and where it would be necessary, every example you've given, it's been an example of the person who is not vaccinated is putting others at risk, right, in, in an environment, the nursing home. The guy right. comes in that's not – so like places like concerts – why would you need vaccine passes? Like, if I am somebody who is vaccinated, then go ahead, do whatever you want. And if I'm non-vaccinated, I present no danger to you and you to me. So those situations, I feel like it wouldn't really be necessary to even have the conversation, right? That's that's my argument with the, with the exception of the fact that we haven't been able to open this up to enough people that you could stop a stupor spreader event, I guess, yeah. if that's your argument, right? I think all these arguments fall away the minute you say, have you had the opportunity to get it? Yes. And you chose not to get it, yes. And that's everybody had that choice. This debate is over. Mm -hmm. I, it only exists in this narrow window of time. What about gyms? That's Ooh. been a hot button issue for I, like a year now. What about I, gyms? The and argument. Safety I think. I think the argument's still the same, right? If you don't have to go to a gym, if you choose to go to a gym and you don't have the vaccination, as long as the gym has had the opportunity to vaccinate all of their workers, okay. why do they? Why do they care? Why are they going to weigh in on it? Do I just. I, to, I just don't want situations unfold like this one. Uh, whenever it was, uh, this was posted by Stefan Bonner, the former UFC fighter. And I guess he had gone to his gym and it's his regular gym. And someone said, Hey, the guy's not wearing a mask. And then he starts to, it's a bizarre video. And actually, I, I don't know. He sounds like he's been hit a lot. Um, he, and he's very upset, but it was just like, I, I don't know what you do to police a situation where a former UFC fighter is like, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. Fire this. Been coming to this gym 14 years, getting kicked out on my birthday. Cause one of these sheep. We're complaining that my mask was dropping. Well, guess what, sheep? I got a medical exemption. I have asthma. I'm doing you a favor by even playing pretend 
Masks don't do anything. Wake up, you sheep. Tattletales. Cowards. So he walks out. Um, now, if you're a patron, that's a, that's a weird position to be in as he's sort of indirectly yelling at you and you're like, uh, that guy used to fight UFC. Like, I don't know. There's just these weird situations where I don't, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, I guess I feel for him. He's been going there 14 years. He doesn't believe in masks. Now he thinks people are being tattletales, and it's like, uh, who's gonna who's gonna tell him to get out? I, I mean, look, that's a whole different debate. I, I think there's a, we're, we're going to be in a position where vaccinated, unvaccinated people are going to be in the same place that vaccinated people need to wear masks. Like I just came from the gym, I wear a mask the entire time I'm at the gym. I oh, did bro. not go to the gym until I got vaccinated, not once for a year, but after I got vaccinated. Two weeks later, I'm at the gym. I'm wearing the mask. People don't know if I'm vaccinated or not. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I just wear the mask and work out, right? And there, we're, we're going to be in that window of time where a ton of vaccinated people will continue to wear masks until everybody's had a chance to be vaccinated. On the way back, we're uh, hanging out at the uh, Battle Warren Broadcast Center. We're going to talk about uh, the latest discussion of uh, the Golden Knights and Raiders having to pay a little more in taxes. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts, only on ESPN Las Vegas. 570-9000 is the number at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin is here. You were on vacation. I'm very jealous, except for the fact that you had to go to Florida. I don't think I'm going to Florida for a while. I'm a big Disney fan. I'm a big Disney World fan from, uh, you know, that, that was kind of our vacation spot when I was a kid. And even as a, like a, whatever, 20-something, I went down there a couple times. No, you didn't. I did, yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. It's too joyous. I love Disney. I know. Everyone said, every time I talk about it, everyone's like, no, there's no way. You're so bitter. Cinderella's like, Castle. Let's go, guys. Great. Take a picture in front it's of Great. Me. Get the ears. Get the ears on. All right. So we're starting to open back up. <laughs> we know, I, I've, I've worn the ears. I, I probably have some pictures of the ears. Um, we're starting to open back up. Florida's a little bit crazy. What was Disney World like? In Orlando, right? Orlando. I was in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. yeah but first off, like you, you, you East Coasters, my wife's from New York, so I hear the same thing. Like Disney World just, you know, blows Disneyland out of, out of the water. I, I disagree. I think Disneyland's better, but okay. Preach to let's, uh, let's now, just... I, now, I haven't been there yeah. in 25 years, so I don't know how, like, how much it's improved. Disneyland is pretty cool. Disneyland's got everything that Disney World has got in one place instead of five different parks, with the exception of Epcot and the Animal Kingdom. But San Diego's got a way better Animal Kingdom, uh, animal, you know, wild animal safari anyway. But anyway, I'll be honest. Cool. I like the I, li- I like riding the monorail. That's what everybody says. Who cares about <laughs> riding the monorail? I, like it. I liked it. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Okay. Air so it's great. So we went we went we did two things. We did uh, Universal Studios at the beginning of the week and then we did every one of the parks for the rest of the week. So we did five straight days of of theme parks. Um, Supposedly, the parks were at 50 percent capacity. It did not. If if Universal Studios was at 50 percent capacity, I never want to go. It's 100 (laughs) percent because it was packed Disney. uh, But but I have to say I like Universal better. Uh, My kids are big Harry Potter fans and their Harry Potter worlds are pretty amazing. Disneyland was I thought, I thought it was run really well. It the was Disney World, Disney World, Magic Kingdom, Magic, uh, Magic. Yeah, we spent a little bit of time in Magic Kingdom, um, but <laughs> on here, sounds whack. Uh, it it was well spaced out. The fifty percent felt like fifty percent, and um, they were everybody was wearing their masks. Nobody was busting any chops. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was run run really run really well. 
Um, when you got food, you did a mobile order on your phone. You went to the window to pick it up, and then you got to go sit somewhere outside. Most of the cases, there was some limited inside seating. Um, I thought there, and there was, oh my gosh, there was hand sanitizer everywhere. It, before every ride, hand sanitizer, you're supposed to hand sanitize and get on the ride and after. So I thought they did the very best job they could. It was, it was really good. Longest line I waited in for the whole week was 70 minutes. Ooh. Sounds like the happiest place on earth. It was good. Did you have the app to see the wait times on the rides? Oh, yeah, you got to. Exactly. I still check them now at Disneyland. <laughs> what? I'll just be like, oh, wow, it's a two-hour wait. All right, glad I'm not there. So we did. We. I swear, I still have it on the phone. I like. I told you, I like it. I like it. So I put my. I kept my kids on West Coast time, and we we did the park in the afternoon every day. So we did pool at the hotel, just hung out in the morning, oh, had lunch, then go to the park when everybody's fading because it was a little warm. It was eighty high eighties. People are fading. They're you know they're dropping like flies. You show up to the park at three a.m. You got dads yelling at their kids. Three p.m. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's just it's it's all. It, it, that's the time to go. You see the wait times just drop right then. Get in and get all the good stuff done. Last time we went to Disneyland, we went right like right when it opened, like the second it opened, and we beat the crowd. Like we got there, got on all the rides, we were done by like one o'clock. And as we were going in, it was like this army of people were like coming in at that time. So yeah. maybe Disneyland's different, but I got in and got out before the crowd. Same thing happened to me when we did the Disneyland too, because my kids wake up early yeah. West Coast time. You know, so we were the first ones in, rope drop, we're in. Um but I'll say this. This isn't really a hack, but it's an experience I had. So we went to Universal Studios, and they offer a VIP experience. It basically costs double per ticket, maybe a little bit more than double, two and a half times per ticket. But you get a tour with 12 total people. So there's two other families on our tour. And they take you wherever you want to go. They take you up the exit. You, they've stopped people from loading onto whatever ride. You get on the ride. You get to go right away. There's zero wait time plus a tour guide explaining all the nooks and crannies of the park, why, how things were created. Worth every penny. Can't recommend it highly enough. Damn. All right, let's get into uh, let's get into an important local issue before uh, Justin is out of here. All right, what's happening now with the Raiders and the Golden Knights and others in terms of uh, live entertainment tax? So there's a bill being heard in the Senate right now to include uh, sporting events in professional sporting events in the live entertainment tax. They were specifically excluded in 2015, which uh, the timing of which I don't think is coincidental. You know, we got the Raiders in 2017. I think those talks were were starting um, as early as 2015 as potential relocation. And so to entice professional sports, they exempted professional sports from the live and entertainment tax, which is 9%. Now there's a Senate bill in place to take away that exemption and treat professional sporting events just like concerts, shows, what have you, and add in the 9% entertainment tax. What's the argument on the side of uh, VGK and the Raiders specifically that they can present with a straight face? The straight to, face? To, to still I'm, be exempt. I, I'm in favor of the exemption. You are? Okay. Yeah. I, I think the exemption, number one, we did it to attract teams, and they came. So we shouldn't then take it away what we used as a basis to get them here, right? We said, hey, look it, we're not going to, we've exempted you from live entertainment tax. They knew that deal coming in. We got teams right thereafter, right? Both teams came right after, right after those, that loophole was created. And now we're going to take it away after they've already made the commitment. I don't like that. Number two, 
I believe the live entertainment tax, the true purpose behind it was to make as much of our revenue source from tourists and not locals. That's the point. I've often said on this show, my policy position for the state of Nevada is locals should never have to pay any taxes and all the taxes should be passed through to the tourists and we should have the best government services of any state in the United States. We have, we are the playground. Uh, we are Sin City, right? We are Vice City for every other uh, state in the union and they should be taxed accordingly and we shouldn't have to pay the taxes for that. With the local sports professional team, yes, I realize that some tourists will come in and buy tickets and go to the game, but by and large, it was brought here to develop our community spirit. I think it's done that and I think most of the time the tickets are purchased by locals and I don't want locals paying the tax. Hmm. I mean, I, he, he, you put voice to my argument, which is I, I do think that as these teams become more established here, their time here is a little bit lengthier. They become more of a tourist attraction than anything else, especially, and that's a deeper conversation, right? If the Knights start to become just an average hockey team and what's the local support like, I, I would still, my argument would still be tourists still take part of it and thus. Who cares? We said it wasn't here when you got here. Well, it's here. You're a member of the community, and if laws change while you're here, well, guess what? Got to deal with it. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the counter to that argument is it's already is extremely ex expensive <laughs> and difficult for the average family to go to a sporting event here, Raiders mm -hmm. or Golden Knights, and that's going to make it 9% more expensive. Is that really what we want to do? There's already people who can't afford it. So it's going to hit us more than getting the revenue from the teams. Well, of course, right? Yeah. yeah. It's coming straight through to us. You see it. I mean, you see it on your tickets when you buy it for a show. You see the nine percent put on there, right? And it's not going to hurt the teams in terms of attendance and merchandising. Some someone's going to scoop up the tickets. Yeah, I think so. Right there, you go, Justin Watkins five seven zero nine thousand. What else is cooking? Anything else? Isn't this enough? <laughs> you must be getting busier, right? Things are opening up. People are uh, getting froggy. There's you know accidents. We got issues. People need to call you, get advice. Yep, we're getting we're getting busier. Uh, you know, we I think we did a, a great job of making it through the pandemic. You know, we took the opportunity. We didn't. Let anybody go. We actually grew as a firm, added two new employees during the, the pandemic in preparation for trying to hit the ground running when everything opened back up. And uh, and that's why you see all the new billboards around town. We timed it. Um, and so I think we we saw around the corner a little bit and I, I'm proud of the way we handled it. And uh, yeah, the, the business is coming. Roads are definitely busier. They're filling up. Yeah, I felt that. <laughs> I, I drove out to Henderson to golf yesterday and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot what this is like. You know, driving from Summerlin to Henderson at that, you know. And there's still a lot of road projects going on. Yeah. And just starting. Yep. Welcome back. We're open up. Everyone was uh, depressed that we were closed down. This is part of opening back up. Yeah, that's it. Infrastructure, too, man. I mean, if we get yep. those infrastructure dollars, here well, we, we go. And we need it. Yeah. We need the improvements. It took me 45 minutes to get downtown from my house yesterday. Crazy. Really? Yep. What? What time? Like, I left at like 345. You know, just down Russ, quick I-15. Go uh, north. 45 minutes. Yeah. You got to find different routes, my friend. Do you know I the mean, city? You grew up here. Yeah, I come mean, on now. I mean, I live at 15. I live Buffalo. and I, mean, okay. I know where you are. You don't have to tell the audience. All right. So where are you going to go to get down to Circa? You got to go service streets. Oh, that's a nightmare. That would take you. I longer. do it all the time. No. I got my secret routes. I got to <laughs> go down to UNLV and Silver Sevens and TI. My secret like route. That. My secret route is Russell to the 15th. And then oh, that's your secret route. Yeah, this that's guy so good. That's what so are you doing? Good. So what's the route? Because then Russell, you're in that shoot. Right, so you're in that shoot I know, for a little a, bit. It's a that's nightmare. What, 
It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, you have to avoid the living hell of all road design. All right, so then where am I going? At, where am I going from here? I'm going to Cirque after this. Where am I going? I don't know, I'll give you directions. Uh, yeah. Oh, right here? Yeah, yeah. You need to jump on the 215, go around the Summerlin wow. Parkway, and shoot right down. That's what I was going right to do. Right down. You'll get there in less than 20 minutes. That's what I was going to do. That's, that's what I do because that's where we go to, you know, we have to go to court yeah. right there. So yeah. you jump on it, you wrap around. The only other option is to go down DI for a little bit and then try to jump on the 95 oh, later. DI. But but well, watch your speed going down Summerlin yeah, Parkway. It gets, that's right. It's very slow, very fast. Yeah. I know how there. you drive. Been there before. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if you're local. Uh, I used to deliver Russell is a 15. That's just used to deliver bounce houses all around this wonderful city of ours. Yeah, no, like years ago, the town's changed. You, you should know away. better. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I can't find my way around where I grew up. There was no there was no paved streets when I grew up there. And I go out there now. Back and I, in my day. No, I swear. I grew up on dirt roads yeah. and dirt roads for miles before we got to yeah. a paved street. I grew up on was Grand Teton and Buffalo. That's literally where I grew up, where Arbor View High School is. And the closest paved street was Tanea. And when I was real young, it was at Ann and 95. So it's, yeah, I don't even know my way around there anymore. I have no idea how to get around. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.